History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen, Let's Roll, with Kathleen and Brian Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian are here to discuss current events from a biblical worldview and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. Welcome to Biblical Citizens. Election Day, November 3rd, has come and gone, but we are still in the midst of an election. President Trump was ahead with substantial leads in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan at 10 p.m. Tuesday night, but then the vote counting stopped. The Fox News team was okay with that, but that is not what usually happens. There have been multiple accusations of voter fraud, as many expected there to be. And President Trump and his team are fighting back in court. What is going to happen now? Where do we go with COVID and lockdowns in our economy? What does this all mean? We discussed this with Attorney Dean Broyles, president of the National Center for Law and Policy today. Dean fights for religious liberty and is involved in cases in California and before the U.S. Supreme Court. He's litigated many cases before. Welcome, Dean. Great to be with you. Isn't this election crazy? The question on everyone's mind is what does this mean, especially for religious liberty in America, including the First Amendment right to worship as we see fit, not have the government restrict how we worship. So, you know, we all have our overall comments. We all have our thoughts. It's so uncertain. Uh, you know, what, what are you thinking Well, I think we're seeing a lot of mixed results, and there's a lot of uncertainty that's changing overnight. Um, I think no matter what happens, I think we can see some trends generally occurring in our electorate and what's happening in our nation. First of all, I think one of the most important things that President Trump has done is appoint conservative justices to the federal courts of the U.S. Supreme Court, most recently Amy Coney Barrett. So that's going to be very significant for religious liberty going forward, no matter who wins the presidency and the Senate. Um, Secondly, though, one thing we have to remember is Biden seems to be trending overnight uh, that the the Obama and Biden administration did tremendous damage to religious freedom. As a matter of fact, Barack Obama is probably the greatest threat and enemy of religious liberty we've seen uh, in in the history of our nation. And so I'm concerned about what Biden will do if he is uh, ultimately our president. And then thirdly, we see that a big trend of socialism and Marxism and and socialism and Marxism is really being promoted throughout our culture right now. And it's popular, especially amongst young people. 
And that's a big threat to religious freedom, um, if you look at history. And so we've got uh, we've got some good things happening. We've got some bad things happening. We've got some ugly, ugly things happening. And a um, couple things to remember is, first of all, God has not called us to have a spirit of fear but of, or timidity, but of power and love and a sound mind. And the second thing I'll just note is that no matter what happens, no matter how difficult it gets for believers, uh, we know that God wins in the end and we win with him. Yes, and we must maintain that spirit of a of calm and a sound mind, and that is so important. Thank you. Dean, I want to uh, touch on something else. Believe it or not, there were other things going on this week in addition to the election, and one of those things was a ruling that came down on Monday in the suit of Assemblyman Kevin Kiley, who was on our show a month or so ago. He got a judgment. He got a favorable judgment against Governor Gavin Newsom. He had uh, filed against him for abuse of power and executive overreach during the COVID crisis. He won the case. The Judge Heckman, who ruled, said this places a permanent injunction against the governor, which prevents him from unilaterally making or changing state law moving forward. So, but a lot of us, and I noticed on a KUSI interview that with Kevin Kiley yesterday, a lot of us are still trying to figure out what is the significance of this. I think we can agree it's a good thing, but do you have any comments on the on the Kevin Kiley judgment? Yeah, I do. I think it's a significant uh, ruling, and uh, just the, the ruling itself says, quote, Gavin Newsom, in his official capacity as governor of the state of California, is enjoined and prohibited from exercising any power under the California Emergency Services Act, which amends, alters, or changes existing statutory law or makes new statutory law or legislative policy. So what that ruling was is it, it's an affirmation of the federal and state idea of separation of powers between executive, legislative, and judicial. And um, what the court basically did is saying that under the Emergency Services Act, uh, Governor Newsom usurped his uh, executive power and took on legislative authority by amending uh, the, the voting statutes that we, you know, the mail-in ballot voting statutes um, that were in place and, and changed things significantly without authority. Um, and that actually the legislator should have done that, not the executive. So going forward, um, if that idea is expanded um, to other cases and other areas where he's usurped statutes or changed statutes, I think it could be a very significant ruling. Um, usually the, the, the issue beside in front of the court is what are these parties fighting over and what's the precise ruling? And the narrow ruling was that, that he couldn't change the voting rights statute, uh, or the voting statute for mail-in ballots and all that. But, but the broader ruling is that he can't change any statute under the emergency services act. That's a legislative function. So other areas where he may have changed uh, statutes um, with his executive orders, uh, could be also struck down if court actions are brought against those uh, those statutes based on uh, this precedent. And we're not we're still looking at whether it has broader implications for the uh, business shutdowns, the church shutdowns, and the other shutdowns that people are contesting. Right now, there's no clear um, impact on our church cases, but we're hoping that kind of the spirit of that ruling is carried forward in other court cases. That would be great. And and I think Kevin Kiley said that there were at least 24 of his executive orders that are really questionable under that ruling that, that could be ruled unconstitutional. So that is, so, that is hopeful. Yeah, that is hopeful. that's hopeful. And I hope people take advantage of this 
ruling and and you know take action some you know to 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 put it into practice i mean under the law of course right and speaking of lawsuits dean you're in the middle i don't know if the middle or maybe towards the end of a very important lawsuit as i understand it it's specifically against the ban on singing in church which really shocked so many christians when this directive first came out that you can literally under the governor's mandate, you cannot sing in church. So, can you update us a little bit on, on your lawsuit? Yeah, absolutely. We're actually involved in four different lawsuits. All four lawsuits? Whoa, okay. Yeah, um, some are one suing um, a city in the L.A. area. Uh, a couple others are suing uh, county and, and state officials. And so the specific lawsuit you're referencing is what we call our singing ban or chanting ban case. We were co-counsel in that case with the Alliance, um, sorry, with the American Center for Law and Justice and Advocates for Faith and Freedom. We filed that in July after the singing ban came out that shocked a lot of churches because, as you recall, at the end of May, under pressure from our lawsuits and the Department of Justice and President Trump, uh, suddenly Gavin Newsom started opening churches because churches were going to start opening anyway. Over 2,000 churches signed the Declaration of Essentiality. So, but shortly thereafter, um, they started claiming that spikes in COVID were happening and started shutting things back down again, including issuing this very draconian singing ban. And, and you know, as most Christians know, singing and worshiping God is one of the key things we do uh, on Sunday mornings. And so, for a lot of believers, that was a bridge too far. And a lot of people were saying then that. Uh, trying to claim that the governor wasn't discriminating, realized finally that the government was discriminating. And just actually this morning, later on this morning, we have a preliminary injunction hearing where um, we're going to be arguing over uh, trying to stop that uh, uh, that ban. And so actually the science is in our favor because the science uh, shows that if churches take basic precautions, um, that they can actually safely meet indoors and sing with very low risk of transmitting COVID. And so we're really hopeful that, you know, actually the, the CDC and the WHO are actually um, in alignment with our requests and, and all, the, all the scientific studies are in alignment with our requests. And so we're really hopeful that that may be one of the first wins on behalf of churches that we can see in California. There's been about a dozen to 15 different cases filed and with limited success here in the Ninth Circuit. So like the Kevin Kiley case, your case sounds sounds quite hopeful, Dean, and I'm really encouraged by that. Uh, before the break, I want to go back to the kind of the uh, what could be impacted by the federal election. And we had talked before about the Equality Act. Now, Joe Biden has pledged that if he is elected president, and that's certainly at least a very real possibility, He's pledged to enact this Equality Act within 30 days. Now, we don't know yet. We hope that the Republicans, I hope, that the Republicans will still hold the Senate, albeit by a narrow margin. Uh, Do you have anything to say about the Equality Act, either prospects for passage and or what are the implications if it does, in fact, become law? Yeah, absolutely. The Equality Act is a big, big threat to religious freedom. Um, Basically, what the Equality Act has been trying to do for over a decade, they've been working on this law, and it has not passed yet. It's only passed the House, but not the Senate. 
Uh, what it does is it basically adds sexual orientation, um, which is, you know, issue of whether you're homosexual or not, or, or, uh, and gender identity, which deals with transgenderism to a whole host of federal statutes dealing with public accommodation, um, employment, and a lot of other, almost every area where it could be added as, a, as an issue of quote-unquote discrimination, they've added sexual orientation and gender identity. And so a lot of people think, well, what's the big deal with that? You know, what, what threat does homosexuality or transgenderism being added as a protected class to federal statutes? Uh, what, what, how does that threaten my faith? Well, if you've been paying attention the last 10 to 15 years in America, the, the biggest threat to religious liberty that we face here in America is what we call radical sexual liberty. And that's the whole radical left uh, sexual agenda that's being forced uh, on all Americans, including people of faith. And so um, if they don't allow people to live out their faith, what happens is that that this, these discriminatory uh, provisions can come against people of faith start shutting them down in their business and their ministries. Dean, I hate, hate to, uh, we're, we're, we're right at the break right now, but we have a lot to talk about. Hold on, folks. We have more to cover. There is more Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K-Praise. Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Milanakis on K-Praise. Hey, Dean, I probably cut you off mid-sentence there. If you remember what you were saying, please, uh, now that we're over the break, please finish uh, your thought on that. Yeah, I was just commenting how adding sexual orientation and gender identity to federal statutes in the Quality Act is a huge threat to religious liberty. And we saw that happen kind of (laughs) as... Uh, Justice Gorsuch legislated from the bench in the Title VII case, he actually inserted uh, sexual orientation and gender identity into Title VII under the definition of sex, um, which is something that the legislature had not been able to do for well over a decade. And so, you know, we have to really be careful in adding those provisions because whenever um, those areas are declared discriminatory, and what it does is it actually directly threatens religious liberty and rights of conscience. And so um, that was acknowledged in the dissent in the Title VII case. That was acknowledged in the dissent in Obergefell versus Hodges, the same-sex marriage ruling. And so that is a huge threat to religious freedom. And so fortunately, there's two checks to that. Number one check is the Senate doesn't look like it's going to flip Democrat. And so the, they can stop the Equality Act in the Senate. The second is that if the Equality Act is passed, We've now uh, got Amy Coney Barrett on the U.S. Supreme Court, and so it's very likely that um, she will be an independent check in 5-4 rulings, maybe against Equality Act rulings that don't take into account um, accommodating religious freedom. And so we've, we've got some positives and negatives there, but hopefully the Equality Act will never pass because it's a, it's a, it's a big problem. Thank you for that. And, and related to the Senate, the Senate will not be able to, if the Republicans can keep control even by one seat, they won't be able to repeal the filibuster, which means the filibuster will still be there as a check in case, for example, we lost a few Republicans on, on this particular issue. So I'm going, to keep with, I'm going to keep with the challenging questions, Dean, because you're doing such a good job fielding these tough questions. 
And that is looking at the election broadly and almost on a personal level, divisions are running more strongly than ever. Who can say, I don't think we can say that after this election or during this season we're becoming more united. And that includes divisions within families, that includes division within churches. Dean, what should be the reaction of believers now that however this comes out, there's going to be some people that supported the, quote, winning side and many on the, quote, losing side. Can we reconcile within our families and churches, or or how do we do that if we can? Well, yeah, it's really tough. We're the most divided uh, probably the nation since we've been since 1862, and so that has a lot of broad implications, not only socially and culturally and nationally, but personally and families. And so um, there's a real, I think everybody's seen it, there's a huge divide between uh, the biblical, Judeo-Christian biblical worldview um, and the and the progressive leftist Marxist worldview. And that divide is getting wider and wider and wider across the board. And um, one of the good things about the election is that there doesn't seem to be a broad affirmation of of Marxism and ideas like critical race theory. Um, obviously, it's being promoted more and more and becoming more popular, but it's and in the media and elsewhere. But in the culture, it's, it hasn't gained a, a full foothold. But I would say interpersonally, the best thing I can encourage you to do is really how I've tried to base my life and base my um, work in, in the culture, dealing with people on the other side all the time is Ephesians 4.15, where Paul talks about speaking the truth in love, that um, we need to speak the truth, but we need to do it in a, in a loving manner. And sometimes that doesn't mean you don't need to be passionate or forceful at times. I think that that's okay. But generally, I think if we, if we stay calm and carry on, like the, like the British said during World War II when they're being hammered by Hitler, right. Right. Um, we 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 can we can get through a lot of this without creating extra acrimony. I mean, uh, I've I've had issues in my family, and I know you have in yours, where people just can't discuss issues. They kind of lose it and get angry and start screaming, and uh, that that's not helpful. And so, I think if if interpersonally we can keep calm and carrying on and speak the truth in love, that's really important. And one thing that's important to remember as believers is withholding the truth from people we claim to love is actually unloving. And so, you know, just being silent about issues that are important is not loving either. And so we need to figure out how to uh, speak the truth in love um, so that people can hear it better. But um, part of the problem, one of the biggest enemies of religious liberty we face in America today related to truth is that a lot of Christians aren't speaking the truth out of fear now. And so that's, but that's unloving, right? So we, that's not good for human flourishing and for the future of our culture. And so we need to figure out again, how to speak the truth and love, even to people who disagree with us, maybe especially people who disagree with us. What right. I would like to see just one comment is it would be so much better if I think if we, we talked about this too, and I, you know, being trained in philosophy, I know that this concept, but it's if we could all be committed to seeking the objective truth instead of our subjective feelings about things, you know, if we could be Absolutely. committed to what is the actual 
objective truth in reality. And that's related but, to evidence? Yeah. That's related to things that hopefully you can agree on, because if you can't agree on what the, quote, facts are right. or what the evidence is, it's unlikely you're going to get too far in talking about the issue. So, Yeah, and that's, that's one of the biggest problems in our postmodern culture is we've lost the idea of objective truth and all, all truth to become subjective based on feelings. And uh, that's a huge problem, and that's one of the biggest gaps we have to overcome when we're speaking to people on the other side, because um, truth is that which corresponds with reality, right? It's right. No matter what your uh, feeling it's is. Of us. That's right. So that you're right. That's a huge point. And relativism has really made some of these uh, conversations, relativism and postmodernism have made many of these conversations more difficult. Yep. Well, Dean, I want to spend a little bit of time on election results here in California and something that a lot of people out there don't even know about the propositions, which are very important, most of them. They don't even know what the results were. So I want to review and get your reaction to some of these. Now, Prop 16, which was going to uh, reintroduce quotas and reintroduce affirmative action based on race and gender, that lost, Prop 16 lost, so we're not going to go back to quotas and affirmative action. Any any reaction on that one? That is a huge result, especially in California. Um, the, the last vote count I had was 56% of Californians voted no, which, which was pretty stunning to me. And Ward Connolly, who's African-American, was doing a lot in opposing that. And I... I I, that is a big, big deal because we've seen Marxism grow in our culture. <laughs> the most famous uh, component is critical race theory and the Black Lives Matter movement. And so you would think that with all the drama and looting and rioting over the summer that uh, California might vote to reinstate affirmative action with how liberal and progressive of the state we are, but that did not happen by a pretty good margin. And so that is very significant and gives me some hope. And given the demographics of the voters, that wasn't obviously just whites. Uh, Obviously, Hispanics and other minorities also voted no on that, or it could not have been defeated by such a wide margin. So that's, I agree with you, that is really encouraging. Another big one was, go ahead. Let me just mention real briefly, if you, I wrote an article recently on critical race theory. You can find it on Dean Broyles Esquire, my WordPress blog, and I encourage people to read that, especially if you're a believer. It, it goes in, it talks about how critical race theory is another gospel that threatened uh, the church. Yep. Uh, one more big one. I don't know how many of these. Prop 15, which I was also pleased, I think, I think apparently lost. I didn't check the results this morning. That was the big property tax increase on all farms and commercial properties, which would have significantly increased the cost of living for all of us, and which would have opened the door to homeowner repeal of the old Prop 13, which has been some protection, at least, on big tax increases in a liberal state. Any any reaction on Prop 15? Well, I think that was really important because that proposition, amongst a few others here, would have driven even more uh, businesses out of California, and so that was very important. And one more quick one. This one did not go probably 
exactly how we liked, and that's Prop 14, billions of dollars additional for stem cell research. Uh, Biblical Christians have reasons to be against that, do we not? And it's going to have to be a short answer, Dean, because we're uh, we're getting towards the end here. Well, yeah, the Bible shows that life begins at conception, and the main reason that was passed is to allow uh, fetal tissue research, uh, stem cell research on, on fetuses, and so that is a that is a very anti-life position, and it barely passed, but I'm I'm sad that passed. Yeah, well, I and, and I agree. The good news was that Prop 22 did pass about the Uber and Lyft. Yes, uh, it, it made it so Uber. And Lyft doesn't don't have to leave the state because they're forced to be employees. That was a union-backed measure. Dean, I think uh, that's probably it for today. And I know you've got a busy day ahead of you today. But it's been great to speak with you again and get your views on the election and lawsuits. And you just have great views on a lot of things. I love listening to you. So I'm sure we're going to talk a lot more. Thanks so much for being on our show today. All right. God bless you. Thank you so much for having me. It was really a blessing. Remember to support Dean Broyles and the Center for Law and Policy, the National Center for Law and Policy. Uh, He's out there on the front lines defending your religious freedom, and we all need to back him and do our part as well. To bless your neighbor this week, please consider how you can reach out to at least one person, maybe a family member or a fellow believer. Pray with them for the election and how to go forward from here. Pray for President Trump and that justice will prevail. Goodbye till next week, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at this same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. To learn more about the show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen. Let's roll on K-Praise.